Hello and welcome to the broadcast. I'm Pastor Evan Gigline. I'm the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Rogue River, Oregon. And today we have a special broadcast brought to you to t- discuss this Senate Bill 490 in the state of Oregon addressing pregnancy care centers in this state. We'll be speaking with Robin Fuller, who's the executive director of the Pregnancy Care Center in Grants Pass, Oregon. And then a little later, we'll be talking with Representative Dennis Richardson about the bill, too. Up first is Robin Fuller. She is the executive director of the Pregnancy Care Center in Grants Pass, Oregon. She's been there for 11 years and involved in pro-life efforts in for the past 18 years. Welcome, Robin. Thank you, Evan. It's, it's my pleasure. So tell us, uh, what is the Pregnancy Care Center of Grants Pass all about? Well, the Pregnancy Care Center of Grants Pass is an accredited medical clinic that um, actually is working within our community to provide great um, services to um, those who may be facing an unintended pregnancy, um, as well as promoting abstinence throughout our community, that's abstinence until marriage. We're also working to help um, create amazing, wonderful parents and moms and dads as they uh, might be young and maybe they're inexperienced. And then we also, kind of the fourth component of our organization is to work with women and men who have had an abortion experience in their past and have needed some support or maybe have later struggled with that decision. How many uh, pregnancy care centers are there in the state of Oregon? In the state of Oregon, there are about 40 locations. Um, I know in the Portland area, I think there's there's one organization, but it has um, four or five different locations. But there are 40 locations um, throughout Oregon. And about 3,500 pregnancy centers, something around that, uh, state, uh, nationwide. Take us kind of through the doors. Uh, should a an unexpecting mother walk into the doors of your pregnancy care center, what should she expect? Well, the first thing, she should be um, expected to be greeted with a smile. We know that behind um, every unplanned or unintended pregnancy is a woman who might be facing some apprehension. Maybe she's in a difficult situation with either her living or finances, or maybe she... um, has become pregnant through circumstances that would be frowned upon either by her church or her family. So there's always some apprehension. So the first thing that she'll find is is a smiling receptionist um, in a nice warm environment that is non-judgmental and non-threatening. So as she goes through the process, she will meet with a trained patient advocate and then one of our amazing nurses who will really talk with her about her options and Our viewpoint is really that women are intelligent, that they're smart, that if given all the proper information, that she can then make a better decision. And even if she does choose to leave our office, at least we know when she leaves that she has all the information she needs, she has been educated, and if she chooses to have an abortion, we make sure she knows that we're here for her because... We really do care about her, and that's one of the things we want her to realize when she leaves is that she has a safe place to return to. So that's basically what she would expect. In your experience, um, what have been some of the most common uh, reasons uh, that for, for a woman who is contemplating getting this abortion? What's, what's maybe the, the most common motivator or reason behind 
uh, getting the abortion rather than uh, going and having the child? Well, as I said, behind every abortion decision is usually a desperate woman. And whatever those circumstances are for her, an abortion looks like an easy way out. And our society tells her it's an easy way out. And um, I can tell you that for most women who are really facing that decision, even an abortion really is not an easy way out. I've never really heard any woman say that an abortion is an easy decision. But the kinds of circumstances we deal with are not typically your pregnant teenager, which a lot of people think that that's what pregnancy centers deal with. But it could be a woman who um, maybe she's a single mom and her children are, are playing soccer and she had a one-time um, experience with a man and now she's pregnant. Well, that's a pretty tough experience, especially when she would have to tell the world what she's done and um, face any judgment for that. Or maybe she's 22 and she has a full college scholarship, and if she has this baby, not only will she lose her scholarship, but she may lose the opportunity for that education. So to her, it looks like a circumstance where an abortion would be an easy way out. So we deal with um, a lot of really high emotions. Um, many of these women... They're just really looking for that way out, and so we try to help educate them and let them know by the time they leave our office that if they really wanted to have this baby, they really could do it. We give them that kind of encouragement. So uh, the pregnancy care centers uh, all across Oregon, but also there in uh, Grants Pass, uh, they're, they're, we're doing a lot of great work for, for women who are in a tough spot. So. Yeah. What's what's the biggest obstacle at this point to doing that work, the, the work that you've set out to do? Well, you know, we have um, different things we're always facing, but right now we are facing um, some legislation against us, and I know that's one of the things that you wanted to talk about. And the, to back up a little further, though, um, we are sometimes quite effective in what we do. And we do have women who come to us who feel like abortion is their only option. And then when they leave and they feel more empowered and they feel more confident, they change their mind. And we have seen the numbers of abortion going down. And I like to think that we play a part in that, that more women are feeling confident that they can have their, their children and follow through with being a good mom. And so we've always had opposition since you know, all of this started way back when through Planned Parenthood and NARAL. And so we have these organizations who go so far as to um, try to define us. They try to say who we are. And if you just go to their websites, you will read things like we are fake medical clinics trying to lure women in with deceptive practices. So we then talk her out of and manipulate her to not have an abortion and if you come into our organization, you see that's not us, but we have the other side that's not very happy. They even have people who are trained to come into our organizations and have throughout the state and act like they are fake, med um, fake clients um, trying to get us to say something that could possibly be used against us. 
So there's a full training program that we know that they have to do this. And so what we've done throughout the state is just try to make sure that all of us, even though we each operate independently, is operating above the standards of care and making sure that we are doing things well. Um, and if they can't uh, do this through sending the fake clients in, um, then they'll try to find something else. But what they've done is they've taken these clients who have come in and they've tried to jot down all of the things they feel that, that we're doing wrong. And now they're, they've created legislation based upon those comments that they're trying to use against us to find some way to shut our doors, which would um, then allow them more access to more women. So you, you mentioned the Senate Bill uh, 490 that's before the state of Oregon. Uh, what in essence is this bill all about? Well, this is our third go-around. We faced um, in the state of Oregon legislation in 2007 and then again in 2011. And this um, Senate Bill 490 is very similar to the bill that um, was introduced in 2011 in that what they're trying to do is they're trying to force us as organizations to make sure that we let every woman who contacts us, whether it's through a website or over the phone or when she walks in, that we have information posted throughout our organization and on our website that states that we do not perform abortions, nor do we refer for abortions. We do not provide contraception and whether or not we have a paid medical staff person on site during all hours of operation. So it would be in essence to tell Taco Bell that they need to post a big large sign that says they don't serve hamburgers. So it's really a, a free speech issue and something that um, we're vigorously opposing and we're really hoping that, it, that this bill will be killed in committee. We're still waiting to find out when it will come up um, in the committee and are really hoping to kill it at that point. But this is something they've been trying around the nation. There was a similar bill in New York State that is currently tied up in the courts over the freedom of speech issue. And, um, you know, it is something we've seen that they've attempted to do around the, around the, the nation. I've read the bill. It, it seems to give the idea or the persona of, of uh, being objective. Um, this bill is hardly objective, though. It seems to have a particular target in mind. Yes, the way that the bill is written, even though it doesn't mention pregnancy centers specifically in the bill, the way the bill is written and worded, it would pertain only to pregnancy centers. It wouldn't apply to any other medical operation. And what they would do is they're trying to bring pregnancy centers under the jurisdiction and authority of the Oregon Health Authority um, which would then enable them to come into our centers and really see all that we're doing and how we're doing it and um, just something that we don't really think needs to happen. Who's, who's backing the bill? Planned Parenthood. Uh, it would seem that this bill uh, seeks to discourage the very thing that Planned Parenthood proposes itself to be, that is pro-choice. Yeah. And, uh, and it would seem like um, uh, from the information that the Pregnancy Care Center is all about giving out, um, that, that 
they're trying to deter a, a, uh, a woman from actually being informed. Yes, and, and one of the things that many people still don't realize is the number one provider of um, surgical abortion is Planned Parenthood, and that is nationwide, and how much of our taxpayer funds are used to fund that organization. Even in um, Southern Oregon, Southern Oregon Planned Parenthood is funded, um, 90, 97% of their funds come directly from taxpayer dollars. Um, which is just a huge amount. And with, if you do go to Planned Parenthood and you want to continue your pregnancy, their services end there. They have no support for women who are going to be parents who need help and assistance of any kind. You mentioned a moment ago what a, uh, a woman uh, should expect in going through the doors that the Pregnancy Care Center grants pass. Um, what would that look like after the passage of this bill, should it pass? Well, that's something that is still kind of an unknown. Um, the bill does have an exclusion in the bill at this point. If um, for any pregnancy center that has paid medical staff on site during open hours, um, but we also are smart enough to realize that that exclusion could be removed at any point in time. Um, also, they're trying to force us to let women know that we don't provide abortion services, which is something we do already. Every single pregnancy center already operates under a standard of care and competency where we are honest with what we tell our patients, and we are honest in our advertising and what we're doing. But what they're, I think, hoping to do is to any complaint at all, that the Oregon Health Authority would receive would give them the opportunity to thus come into the centers and start dictating what and how they're doing um, and providing those services. Uh, what would you encourage our listeners to do? Well, I think first and foremost, if you live in the state of Oregon, even, even right now, even if the bill hasn't come up in the committee yet, contact your senator. They really do listen to their constituents in their districts whether they would be for this bill or against it. And if they can have a big, a big number that they can throw out when they get to the floor that says, hey, this many thousand people in my, in my district, my constituents contacted me about this bill and they say no, even if they can, can start getting those numbers before committee, that could also kill a bill in committee because they really do try to listen to those who live in their districts. So call your senator, tell them to vote no on Senate Bill 490. Speak, speak to the, the listener. Uh, first, to the woman who uh, finds herself in a current situation right now of an unexpected present, uh, pregnancy uh, with, with no support around her. Well, I would encourage her, first of all, to find out if there's a pregnancy center anywhere near her or even to contact us, and I can get her in con contact with someone who is nearby. It's just so important for her to gain all the information she can because whether she chooses abortion, parenting, or adoption, once a woman finds herself pregnant, her life has changed forever, and she needs to realize um, how any of those decisions will impact her into the future, and that would be my biggest encouragement is to really get all the information that she needs um, to make a decision and making a decision I've never heard anybody yet, no woman have I heard, 
have a baby and regret and say, I wish I had never had that baby. And finally, uh, speak to the woman uh, who bears a burdened conscience for, for the abortion that she has had. Well, I would let her know that, first of all, she's not alone. In the last two weeks, I've encountered two women, one of them for 40 years, the other one for about 30 years, who have never told anybody about their abortions. It is such a difficult um, hidden secret, and even just in telling me, they were able to remove part of the mask that is worn um, that tries to say I'm okay when inside she's grieving and she's hurting. And I would tell her, most importantly, that God's grace and his love and forgiveness are unending, and um, they come into play in this situation as well. So if you've had an abortion, seek the help that you can get in understanding that forgiveness. Robin Fuller has served for the past 11 years as executive director of the Pregnancy Care Center in Grants Pass, Oregon, and has worked in the efforts for the past 18 years. For more information, visit gppregnancy.com for more information on the Pregnancy Care Center in Grants Pass. Robin, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Up next, we have Representative Dennis Richardson. He is in his third term to the Oregon House of Representatives, and he represents the House District Number 4 in the state of Oregon. Welcome, Representative Richardson. Uh, well, um, thanks to, uh, for having me on. We're talking today about this uh, this Senate Bill 490, and uh, a layperson reading this bill could get e- easily confused in the in the legal la- lingo. Could you explain to the layperson what this bill says? Yes, actually, it's it, it depends on if you're cynical or not. If you're if you're not cynical, it's a solution looking for a problem. Uh, and if you're cynical, it's essentially the pro-abortion industry trying to shut down uh, private uh, clinics and, and facilities that give counseling to you know pregnant women on on options that they have uh, that could avoid you know that could avoid um, an abortion. And so, it, what it really does is it says that uh, from the time that this is passed, and it's stated as an emergency, so it actually go in to, into um, effect on the, the date that it was signed by the governor, and it says that uh, there's going to be a list of notices that have to be given to anybody that, that comes to use a facility where there's uh, a sonogram that could be uh, performed or, and that kind of thing. And so basically they want to have medical personnel on the premises, you know, licensed um, medical technicians, nurses or doctors or something like that, uh, and they want to have these notices that say whether or not the facility provides uh, contraception, provides uh, uh, advice about ad- adoption or abortion. It, it actually lists just a whole number of things which look like it's just notices, but what is required is that that has to be not only placed in facilities, but on every advertisement that is used. And so if someone is sending out any kind of a mailer or anything in that regard, then these um, detailed requirements of notices become a, a real burden. And if you don't do this, or if you don't meet the wording of the statute in a way that is believed um, you know, by those that uh, want to stop you from, from having your facility, then you can be fined um, what starts out at uh, 
you know, $1,000, and it goes to 5000 and then $10,000 a week for any time that it's not cured. And then the definition of what is cured is, is really unknown. And so it really does open up a, an opportunity for those that are well-funded to file lawsuits to enforce wording on a bill that is broad and undefined in its you know, in um, in what it actually takes to comply. What are those who are pushing this bill afraid of? What, why do they see a need for a bill like this? Well, uh, you know, they of course it's never mentioned, but Planned Parenthood uh, is very much against facilities that give counseling uh, that talk about other op- options than having abortions. I mean, it, you know, there's, it's about money. Almost always in my work in the legislature, having been here for 10 years, is if you can follow the money, you finally figure out what's really going on, regardless of what is said and who's saying it. And so uh, when you have facilities that uh, are counseling women about the options of giving birth and adoption and so forth, then and, and doing sonograms where they actually show a, a little baby that's growing in the womb, and showing the heart that it's beating, and it, this is a living organism. It's not a, you know, a piece of, of um, you know, mass of fleshy tissue as it's sometimes related to. I mean, it is, it is, causing a, a, a major impact uh, on women who otherwise would just terminate their pregnancy, have an abortion, and just um, and go on without having to think at that time that they're really terminating a life. From what you can tell, uh, what benefit do pregnancy care centers serve the economy and or the Oregon taxpayer? Well, you know, that's kind of a complicated question, um, and, and I'm really not prepared you know, to answer that as far as how it would really affect the economy. It's not so widespread that it is a major impact uh, either in favor or against the economy. Uh, an abortion, by the way, is inexpensive compared to giving birth and raising a child. So if you want to talk about it from an economic standpoint, uh, then you know, there's two sides to that argument. Uh, what we really need to focus on is the, mere, the, the, the very basis of our, of our country. I mean, the Declaration of Independence, the very founding document, you know, says that we believe that we have a creator and that this creator gave us certain inalienable rights, and that the first one enumerated is the right to life itself. And so if, if that's the basis for our belief system, that you have a right to life, then there needs to be some group or individuals that are speaking out for life. And that's what these small facilities that do uh, sonograms and, and, and show a, a mother who's very uncertain as to what to do because it's not kind of a normal kind of pregnancy situation uh, that you know, gives them the opportunity to know that they've created a life, that decision was already made. And now the question is, what do they do about that? And that there's two lives that are at stake in, in what the answer is that is reached by the, the mother of state funding. This in this entire bill is obviously focused around the issue of of abortion and, and pro life. Um, if though, if we took this out the, that issue out of this bill for a moment and just looked at this bill like any other, 
um, bill for a non-for-profit agency, how would it stand on the merits of, of its legal foundation? Well, I would be saying, what is the problem that you're seeking to fix? Show me the outrage. Show me the injuries that are occurring that, des- that deserve or require the state to get into this field and, and give these mandates. And then I also would say that the wording is flawed if we were looking at this rationally. For instance, it says that in all advertisements promoting the services, uh, you will have to include you know, all these various notices that I said. And then it says, written and provided in a manner that a reasonable person, whatever that means, is likely to read and understand before accepting the services described. Well, that kind of wording opens this whole thing up to litigation. And I've seen it in other areas, mainly natural resources, the use of um, rivers and forests, that well-funded groups that want to stop an activity will use litigation as their sword to do it because they can bring in, uh, file lawsuits and so forth to help, um, you know, to, to challenge whether or not someone or whatever was provided was reasonable and would a reasonable person have understood it and all those things. And then they do depositions and hearings, and the cost ends up forcing a lesser-funded organization or person out of business. Earlier today, we interviewed Robin Fuller, the executive director at the Pregnancy Care Center in Grants Pass. Uh, She encouraged our listeners to contact their senators. Um, I think many people think that calling or writing their elected officials won't do any good. How do you respond to that notion? Well, it it does do some good. Individual letters uh, are are looked at. They don't always change attitudes if the attitudes are set on kind of a moral principle. I mean, if I got a a dozen or 50 emails saying, support this bill, I would still say, no, I'm sorry, I won't do that because I've read the bill and I realize what's really going on and I'm not in favor of what this is trying to do. And so I think that there's a lot of pro-abortion, I mean, that's, that's really what we're talking about is, you know, a woman's right to choose an abortion at any time in a pregnancy is what is the law in Oregon presently. Uh, and uh, those individuals are unlikely to just change their mind. But if, if the contact, you know, is sincere and it's, it's not uh, inflammatory, but it merely explains, you know, that, that um, you know, these facilities have a right that uh, there's, it, there's no problem that has to be solved by this, that this is a political uh, issue uh, for some people and that we should just avoid getting into ex- expanding this kind of regulation. You know, it, it does not hurt to do that. The primary thing you can do, though, is pray. I mean, the, the Democrats, uh, the, the liberal Democrats, are in charge of the, the uh, House and the Senate and the governor's office, and those leaders are not in favor of life. I mean, you know, they're one of their planks and, and one of the major controlling interests in their party presently is controlled by those that are funded by you know, those that are pro-abortion and they, are, they have a mindset that's very much in favor of having a woman have the right to choose to terminate a life at any time that she chooses to up to the time of birth. And that's a tragedy, but that's still what the law is in Oregon. So, you know, the Lord has the ability to change hearts, and that's what I pray for every day is for guidance that I'll say and do the things that I can, that I will be part of a solution, but ultimately 
the the outcome is in his hands. And finally, Representative Richardson, um, should we uh, fail to uphold a, a person's human rights on the basis of their existence and nothing else, where rationally would that lead us uh, in the future? Well, it certainly leads to choices that we don't want to, to make. I mean, there's already discussions in other countries about uh, terminating life after a birth. In other words, you know, you have a baby and it's a mongoloid or there's other issues, and they're saying, well, you know, that you should, why should you just be able to terminate it up to birth when once you find out, then you should still be able to do that. There's a whole euthanasia movement where you start deciding who gets the blessing of life and who's not going to become the next level. And as Mother Teresa said, I mean, any society that uh, has mothers choosing to kill their babies is in serious, serious trouble. We've been joined by Representative Dennis Richardson. He's serving his third term to the Oregon House of Representatives, representing House District 4 in the state of Oregon. Representative Richardson, thank you so much for your time. All right. Take care. Goodbye. And that's all the time we have. Thank you for tuning in to this broadcast. I'm Pastor Evan Gigline, pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Rogue River, Oregon. If you have any questions for me, you can send me an email, pastor at faithrogueriver.org, or visit us on the web, faithrogueriver.org. May we be steadfast in our defense for life for the unborn and be quick to proclaim the forgiveness found in Jesus Christ alone.